Well, well, surprise, surprise. It's me, JC, and uh, just call me the anti, or I guess the fucking bizarro version of Clark Griswold's boss from Christmas Vacation, because I actually am giving you a bonus. I throw it here on the podcast feed. Wanted to throw a few things here. I'm going to try and start doing this more often when I can, you know, fucking remember to. But you guys know, sometimes I struggle with that, but uh, you guys know you'll be getting the weekly podcast episodes here still yet, but also... Why not throw in some bonus content, some stuff from the YouTube side? So here we are right now. This is a spoiler-filled review I did for Lisa Frankenstein. Just released back on February 9th, and I did a review for it up on the uh, JC's Pop Culture YouTube channel. So I say all this shit to uh, come in here on the intro to say, go subscribe to the JC's Pop Culture YouTube channel if you're finding this on the audio side, or if you listen to podcast episodes on the audio side. Not that I don't fucking appreciate you doing that, and you can still continue to do that on the audio side if you'd like, but if you check out the YouTube, you get additional content, movie news, TV show reviews, Um, EA Sports College football video game updates, DCU updates, MCU updates, Superman Legacy updates, movie commentaries occasionally, trailer reactions, I can go on and on and shit, so a lot more additional content than just the weekly, you know, pop culture podcast where we talk movie news and shit I've watched lately, but having said that, talking about some shit I've watched lately... I did finally get a chance to watch Lisa Frankenstein, so I did a spoiler-filled review for it here on the YouTube channel, and now you're going to get it here on the audio side. So appreciate you tuning in here on the podcast platform you're on, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, wherever the hell you tune in, subscribe to JC's Pop Culture, and like I said, go over to the YouTube. I need you. No, I appreciate you guys. Enjoy. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Welcome back into JC's Pop Culture. I'm JC, where I'm presenting you all kinds of pop culture content. Could be anything from movie news, TV show news, trailer reactions. You never know what you're going to get here. But today, coming at you with a movie review for the first time in 2024. Finally got a chance to sit down and watch a flick. And it's one that was on my most anticipated movies list. I believe it was right there at number 15 on my top 15 films of 2024. Once I heard about this, all the players involved, I was interested on that alone, had me sold so much so that I didn't even want to watch a trailer. I went in blind to this movie. You know, I knew the basic premise based on the synopsis pretty much, but that was basically it. I knew that it was written by Diablo Cody. I knew that it was directed by Robin Williams' daughter, Zelda Williams, her directorial debut. I knew you had Catherine Newton, Cole Sprouse, and I was in on that alone. Uh, horror comedy based shit, you know, dark comedy, if you want to call it that even. Uh, but for sure had me sold. So I'm like, all right, let's fucking do it. Let's dive in on this shit. And uh, honestly, I thought it would be good, but I think it was a little bit better than I expected it to be. I think it's one of those movies that'll be a cult classic. It takes place in the eighties. I think there's nods to some other films throughout and it really just kind of the tone and vibes of this movie reminded me of some other flicks. I'll talk about that as I go throughout the notes, but I want to preface this by saying this will be a spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, you know, go watch it, then come back, check out this review. If you really just don't give a shit about spoilers, that's fine too. Stay tuned in here. But if you're into movies and TV shows, be sure to subscribe here to JC's pop culture, where I'm talking about all the time, especially comedy, horror, superheroes, anything like that's right up my alley. So if you enjoyed that shit too, hit that subscribe button helps me and it helps you. And uh, hit that thumbs up button as well. Helps with the YouTube algorithm and shit. And uh, leave your thoughts in the comments if you've had a chance to watch Lisa Frankenstein. Would love to hear your thoughts on the film as well. But let's get into it. Uh, From the top, you get a fun animated opening credit sequence that kind of sets the table for what we're going to see in the movie. Uh, Just showing there's a guy. He's with a lady. Um, Another guy comes in. She gets with that guy. 
this guy dies. They have a grave. It's literally marked unmarried. And then later throughout the film, we'll see this unmarried grave here in this cemetery. And it plays a part uh, throughout the rest of the plot here. And so from that opening uh, credits animated sequence, we are thrust into the plot here. 80s setting right away is given away when they show, you know, our main character, Catherine Newton's character, Lisa Swallows. And, you know, you can tell by the big hair that she's uh, fixing up and shed. You can tell by the clothes. It's obviously taking place in the 80s. I believe it's directly in the year 1989, if I'm not mistaken. But um, she's riding to school with what we come to find out is her stepsister. She's at a new school. Uh, This is her, you know, senior year of high school. First time, you know, being in a new town other than the town she grew up in and shit. Uh, We learned that out here in a bit. But on this ride, uh, her and her stepsister having a conversation, kind of just a general uh, conversation about, you know, a guy that she likes. So she uh, says, you know, she likes this guy, Michael Trent, and her stepsister is asking her, you know, well, does he eat on campus lunch, off campus lunch, you know, Burger King or wherever the fuck another place, White Castle, I think is the other place she names, you know, she says neither. And just kind of pretty much this is just setting up the backstory that Lisa's character is different than, you know, everyone else. She's also really quiet. She doesn't talk much. Uh, We don't know why yet at this point, but uh, we also know that she likes, you know, guys, you know, that are different. That's what she's attracted to is not the people that are like everyone else, you know, her age and shit. Obviously that's what this is setting up throughout the story. Blah, blah, blah. They ride to school, um, on the ride as well. They mentioned the cemetery, which we've seen, you know, set up in the opening credits animated sequence. And, uh, Lisa said, you know, she enjoys this cemetery. She goes there sometimes and, uh, kind of freaks out her stepsister. Uh, her name is Taff. Uh, that is the character played by, Lisa's or Liza, excuse me, Soberano, I believe is the last name. How you pronounce it? Probably not. I'm probably butchering the shit out of it. But nonetheless, uh, she is talking about how there's rumors that that cemetery is haunted. You know, no one really goes there. So that's just further establishing how, you know, much different that Lisa is than everyone else we're going to see um, in this movie. And as they're talking about the cemetery and we see the grave that she likes to visit is, of course, the grave that's set up in the opening credits animated sequence. And you see from the statue, the bust, you know, on top of the grave, the headstone, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's Cole Sprouse's character. You know, I called him zombie um, in my notes throughout the film. I think on IMDb, they list him as the creature. Uh, nonetheless, that's uh, kind of who's going to play a big part in this plot. But later on in that day, uh, they end up going to a party. And at the party, Lisa gets talking to you know that guy that she mentioned earlier that she liked the michael trent character and shit uh while she's doing this her stepsister's talking to another student at the school which is on the cheerleader team with uh lisa's stepsister and she you know she starts asking a little bit about lisa and she's not supposed to talk about lisa anything that happened because there's obviously a shit ton of rumors going on around you know when she came already and you know lisa pretty much says hey no i'll tell you i trust you or whatever which fucking obviously is stupid because everyone's gonna know from that point on but this is where we get lisa's backstory and what it is is an axe murderer burst into her house uh killed her mom and shit while she hid in the closet um her dad you know still you know survives and six months later her dad marries her stepmom in this film and you know she gets her stepsister which is her character taft that's telling this story um here you know setting up the backstory for Lisa and shit, and we learn that Carla Gugino's character is pretty much the evil stepmother, you know, the prototypical evil stepmother throughout this film, and uh, she's the fucking worst. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, that's a little bit of Lisa's backstory, and it kind of comes into play um, later on in the movie as well, especially with the stepmom's motivations and why she feels the way that she feels about Lisa uh, throughout the movie. But Lisa's talking to the character Michael Trent while this is going on. 
Michael Trent's girlfriend comes up, you know, he doesn't, she didn't realize that he had a girlfriend, I don't think, and shit. So that's, you know, obviously throws her. Uh, she has some alcohol at this point. She's upset. She wants to drink it. She takes the cup. She chugs it. Uh, you assume it's alcohol. You come to find out. Obviously, I don't know what the fuck it was. I think the movie might have said it was PCP or something. I don't, don't know 100% if they confirmed it, actually. But either way, it's definitely not alcohol. They go enough to show that. She's tripping and shit. Uh, she goes in. You know, she looks like she's about to get sick. She looks like she's about to pass out. You know, great camera work here throughout the score. Uh, throughout the movie was great also i want to comment on that some really cool notes of the soundtrack um here in a bit we get one uh right after this scene but talk more about that in a second but as she's uh tripping you know she comes down into the living room she's sitting down and this character comes over and i think his name is doug uh what the, yeah bryce romero plays this character doug comes up says you know he was her lab partner they he recognizes or she recognizes him and he seems you know like a typical you know nice nerdy guy gonna help her out or whatever but then he leads her to the bedroom and, you know, some more shit ensues. He's attempting to come on to her, you know, attempted assault, you could even say and shit. So more bad news. She ends up, you know, wandering out to the cemetery there at that point. And that's when one of the needle drops in the movie I thought was uh, really cool. You get this, uh, you know, stylized uh, kind of sequence where she's like tripping. So you get the cameras, you know, blurry and shit. And it looks, you know, pretty cool at that point. And you get a slowed down version of, um, I can't remember what's the name of this. I don't know the fucking name of the song, but it's the song. It's like, it's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day, that shit. But they got it slowed down and it's kind of eerie and creepy. And at that point I was really digging the soundtrack and it would only improve. They would do uh, some more cool shit with the soundtrack and some of the needle drops later, as well as, you know, some good incidental music mixed in there in the score. But uh, she stumbles into the cemetery and goes to, you know, the plot that she likes, the grave that she likes, which we know is, you know, Cole Sprouse, the one we talked about earlier. And she mentions, you know, I wish I was with you. Stumbles back home, gets into the bed, passes out, and it's a stylized dream sequence. And this is pretty fucking cool, too, the way that they do this, because it's similar to kind of the look of the opening animated sequence, you know, where the opening credits took place. Uh, but it's black and white, but the background pieces, the walls, the windows, everything almost looked hand-drawn. I thought that dream sequence was really cool. And, you know, the character that was from the cemetery comes up to her in the dream sequence, blah, blah, blah. When she wakes up, she realizes there was a huge uh, tornado, a huge storm the night before. And they had her dad even mentions there was some green lightning. They turn on the news. They realize the lightning had struck that exact cemetery plot that she likes uh, with the bust of, you know, what would be Cole Sprouse's character coming up soon here in the film. Her stepmom is pissed at her because she broke the mirror when she came home. You know, she punched it, you know, pissed off and shit. And so that's one reason the stepmom's pissed at her and uses that against her and just builds on builds to, you know, what happens later on in the film. So wakes up after realizing this shit with the green lightning struck in the thing from the news report, all of that. Lisa's home alone later in the day because the other the rest of the family wanted to go see a movie. She didn't want to go. Stays home. And this is where the earlier backstory comes back into play where an axe murderer had broke into their house previously because all of a sudden she's sitting there and someone just comes in uh, through the window. So obviously in the, her mind, oh shit, it's happening again. History's repeating itself. This is fucking bad. So chase sequence ensues ends up, you know, obviously she realizes after a while that it's, you know, the character from uh, not the character, but the fucking, uh, 
cemetery plot, the fucking statue, I guess. I don't fucking know. Once the way that she realizes it though is she's picking the phone up to try to dial nine one one. And as she's doing so, uh she walks, you know, she starts hearing some someone else on the phone. So she walks into where the other phone is, sees him just sitting on the floor playing with, you know, a shoe, what he thinks to be a shoe, I guess. Of course it was one of the shoe phones. This play this took, took, takes place in the eighties, like in eighty nine, like I said and shit. So obviously we all remember the shoe phones and shit from uh back then. But uh, that's when she realized, oh, okay, maybe he's not so dangerous. And that's when you kind of get, I guess, what you would call a meet cute and, you know, a, a regular rom-com between these two characters and shit. So uh, it's pretty funny, though. You get some interesting stuff that ensues here. And what I really started getting vibes of from this point in the next few scenes was Encino Man. Um, if you guys remember that movie from the 90s, I think this movie heavily, you know, had nods to that movie and kind of the vibes reminded me a lot of Encino Man, especially uh, the comedy with, you know, Cole Sprouse's character, the creature and shit that I called zombie or whatever throughout my notes. But I was definitely getting a lot of Encino Man vibes from this movie, kind of mixed with Edward Scissorhands because it's like a super dark fucking comedy version of Encino Man. The comedy's still there, but it's definitely a lot darker than Encino Man was. So you kind of got to look at something that's a little bit more in this tone and to me those two films that would go with that to me this film is like if Encino Man had a baby with bear with me Edward Scissorhands and Heathers because that's kind of the vibes I got here from this movie plus obviously doing its own original shit mixed in with it but I really liked that because I loved you know all those movies so to me getting something that felt like that I think you could definitely see this becoming a cult classic down the line and that starts to pick up here once the creature comes into play and once uh, Cole Sprouse as the creature comes into play we see Catherine Newton's Lisa Swallow's character start to change a little bit right from the get go she even realizes it she says you know I'm talking you know the most I have since my mom died and shit so obviously this is good for her uh, throughout the film, we think. And uh, it's kind of a feel-good part right now here in this first act until you get into the second act. And this film takes a twist that I really, I guess, didn't see coming, but I fucking should have. But the way that it plays it, you know, early on in the film, it kind of lulls you into a sense of, oh, this is like a feel-good coming-of-age story. And then it just flips the switch on you real quick. And I fucking love the way that it did that and made me like the movie even more. Uh, but we'll get there uh, momentarily. Let me get back to where I was at here in my notes. Um, then we get a kind of outfit montage for Cole Sprouse as the creature character, you know, kind of your stereotypical montage makeover scene where somebody's coming out trying on outfits, somebody's going, yes, no, no, you know, that type of shit. So for me, that was just a bit of a filler scene in the movie just because I've seen it how many times. So that was, you know, one check in the con box for me. There wasn't a ton of those throughout the film. Like I said, it kind of exceeded my expectations, but that was one. But I did like the way that, you know, a couple days later, I guess it would be the following day in the film. I can't remember exactly, but the creature, you know, Cole Sprouse's character kind of reciprocates that she's going to get dressed and he sticks out, you know, something out of the closet. And she's like, no, I would never wear that. And, you know, he keeps insisting she puts it on. And that's when we kind of get, you know, her character turn a little bit. That's kind of the start of it. She starts dressing more and feeling more like herself. And we see her, you know, come out of her shell, for lack of a better term, I guess you could say uh, about, you know, the midpoint of this movie and shit. But that was pretty cool you know it was a corny sequence at first and shit but then they kind of redeemed themselves uh later on then we get a funny sequence after that with carla Gugino and uh cole sprouse's creature character that i thought was you know one of the more comedic ones in the film the way that it played out because she's downstairs we see he's standing on the stairs but she's got headphones in so she doesn't even realize that she's literally you know two feet from him she turns to the left or looks to the left at all she could have seen him instead you know she continues on goes sits down to eat 
He comes down, starts playing at the piano. She thinks she hears it, takes off her headphones, realizes, okay, maybe I didn't because he had stopped momentarily. He starts playing again, and it coincides with the doorbell ringing. Funny enough, the doorbell rings. She goes to the doorbell. It's a guy selling uh, fucking carpet shampoos or something that pisses her off. I don't know. Everything pisses her character off in this movie. Carla Gugino was killing it, though. Uh, but nonetheless, while she does this, uh, the creature comes over spits into her food a uh, fucking worm earthworm and shit that he hawks up uh goes back upstairs and we see her take a bite of her food and then spit the worm out which of course she blames on lisa swallow's character later in the film and shit but a uh, pretty comedic sequence there that i enjoyed but then continuing on to the plot and kind of how it ties into the animated opening sequences we see lisa flirting with michael trent at school a little bit and all i could think of was Oh shit, this character's come back to life, you know, for Lisa Swallows because she said, you know, I wish I was with you, which lo and behold, he thought, you know, that meant, oh, she wants me to come back to life. You know, I don't understand the magic of how he fucking came back to life, but whatever. Reanimates, come back to life. And uh, she's like, oh, actually, I meant, you know, I wanted to die. I wanted to be with you dead. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what kickstarts it all. And you're all, always realizing this is kind of tragic and history looks like it's repeating itself for this fucking guy. Because it's almost like a love triangles forming between the Michael character, Lisa and him. But she doesn't want him romantically. She wants Michael Trent for, you know, 75, 80 percent of this movie, unfortunately. And you're kind of like, oh, shit, this is going to be a tragic story for him at this point, you know, in the first half of the movie that's what i was kind of thinking uh but nonetheless uh carla gugino killing it as the evil stepmom continues on to you know threaten uh lisa swallow's character with putting her into a psych ward because she's crazy uh and the kind of the culmination of that is when they come home after uh the creature is broken into the house and she thinks that it's because she has restaged a burglary in their house so that she can get attention again like she did when her mom died just fucking real evil shit from uh Carla Gugino's character in this one and everyone's everyone leaves and it's just her home with the stepmom the stepmom comes upstairs said she's going to admit her today and all of a sudden you see the closet doors which is inside the closet is where the creature stays you see them start to creep open then you see a sewing machine raised cracks her over the head with it and in my notes i wrote you know the zombie knocks out the evil stepmother and he cuts off her ear because he didn't he's missing his left ear and his right hand and he you know throughout you know since he's been reanimated has been asking you know i want these fucking parts back can i get my hand can i get my left ear she said i don't know how to do that or whatever so he cuts off her left ear and then it's at this point i realize oh shit he just fucking killed her so he actually kills her and this is when the movie takes that turn that i was talking about and you're like oh this is going to get a little bit darker than i expected it to i'm kind of into this i was into the comedy the satire and the humor and stuff earlier in the way that it was kind of playing with you know tropes and shit now it's getting into you know some darker stuff as well and there's a little bit of gore inside and uh some more comedy comes along with that definitely you know some dark humor if you're into that shit if you have that style of humor i think you'll enjoy it but she sews on the ear he still can't hear out of it and earlier in the movie, we had seen her get electrocuted by, you know, a malfunctioning tanning bed. So she gets the bright idea. All right, let's put him in this tanning bed. He's already dead. It's not going to hurt him. Let's see what happens. Goes in there, turns the tanning bed on. Boom, works. Reanimates the ear. Don't fucking ask me how or why this movie does what it does. You know, you got to just suspend disbelief a little bit. So after that, she gets the bright idea then. I guess, you know, gets a taste of blood. You know, she likes it. You know, she. I think later in the movie, she says she even enjoyed that. And we already knew that this character had been shitty to her earlier. So it's Doug. She sets up a meeting with Doug after school, lures him out to the cemetery where the creature kills him, 
to get his hand. He gets his hand, puts him in the Tana bed. Once he puts him in the Tana bed and reanimates the hand, now he looks more human than ever before. He doesn't really look nearly as grotesque other than, you know, some dark circles around his eyes. So he's becoming more human. Every body part that gets reanimated onto him, we're learning throughout this plot and shit. And also Lisa is really becoming more of herself. She's, you know, dressing in all black. She's talking more than she's ever talked. And she is kind of the antithesis of what she was to open the film. And it just sets up for such an interesting dynamic. You know, I referenced Edward Scissorhands and Heathers earlier because you have this super cheerful, you know, bright, uh, color palette and this suburban setting like you do kind of in those movies. And also you have like these dark undertones and these horrible things happening, but it's almost, like I said, it's being played comedically a lot of the time as well. So it's really just this crazy contrast that I love the way that it, you know, kind of makes you feel, uh, if you love movies like Heather's Edward Scissorhands and stuff, I can't, you know, write home enough. I think you'll love this. This is going to be a future cult classic in the way that those are. I truly think that, but, um, after setting up the lab partner, once we see that the creature's starting to come back to life and we see Lisa starting to act more like herself, it's a crazy juxtaposition to what we saw earlier in the film because now Taff is realizing her mom's missing because she comes home, wants to call her, uh, talk to her as she's away on a trip at a hotel. The hotel says she's never checked in. Her and the dad are worried about her and shit. And um, so then the next time we see them go to take a car ride to school, kind of the initial seeing the opening of the film and now getting to the opening of the third act, how much these characters have changed is Taff is super quiet, much like Lisa was earlier in the film, because now her mom's missing. She believes she might be dead. It's really fucking with her. Whereas Lisa's, like I said earlier, completely came out of her shell and they kind of go the extra mile to show that by having them even switch seats. And Lisa is the one that drives to school now here to start kind of the third act of the movie, which was a pretty cool twist and really visualizes everything for you in a pretty neat way as well. As you get, you know, Lisa is now the one that's dressed up and confident Taff dressed down in sweats, super quiet, not confident at all. Complete, you know, character flip for both of those and, you know, well-written story by Diablo Cody for it to go from, you know, point A to point B like that. And that's what you want, you know, in a screenplay and what you want when you watch a movie is you want, you know, character development across the you know course of the film. And I definitely think you get that throughout this movie with some interesting twists and turns that you aren't expecting. So they get to school. After this, you know, kind of start the third act, and this is where you realize, okay, things are really about to kick into high gear because cops are there. Obviously, Lisa's visibly, you know, fucking nervous once she sees the cops are there. Students come up to him. They, they, they say they think, you know, a student named Doug may be murdered. They don't know who the fuck he is even, though, which, you know, just kind of adds to the, you know, satire aspect of the film. And then once she's in the classroom, we hear it over the loudspeaker. Lisa's called out of class. She gets to the office. It's Michael Trent's girlfriend. Come to find out she saw Lisa slip the note into Doug, asking to Doug's locker because she had the locker beside, asking him to meet her after school and shit for, you know, what ended up being his murder, as well as, you know, other people saying they saw her with him. So Lisa pretty much now is a fucking suspect. She's in deep shit. She says she's not going to say anything until she has a lawyer present. She leaves, kind of runs away, and pretty much we know, okay, she's basically fucked now at this point. And as she's leaving school... The zombie has already stolen a car, the creature, whatever the hell you want to call him, Cole Sprouse's character, got a car, and he pulls up beside her, picks her up, and she, at this point, knows Michael Trent's skipping school. She's decided, I'm going to go, I'm going to sleep with Michael Trent. And earlier in the movie, 
you know, this is something that I think was supposed to be kind of a big twist, a big surprise, but I think they go a little bit too far and kind of hinting at it earlier in the film. Cause there's a scene earlier when Lisa's talking to her stepsister Taff and notices a hickey and the way that it's played and Taff is being all coy about, you know, where she was and, or, you know, not wanting to talk about it and almost acting like it's not there and saying that she was at, I think a practice or, or something like that, but it was obvious that she was lying. So in my head, I immediately, you know, light bulb went off all she's fucking this Michael guy that Lisa likes. And so later on, we get to this point in the film, the creature takes her over to Michael's house where she's going to try and sleep with Michael. He reluctantly does this. He's obviously upset about it. She doesn't realize yet that he loves her. I think, but nonetheless, he's, you know, going, he drops her off. She goes up to the bedroom. She hears talk and bursts in. We realize, oh shit, Taff is in bed with Michael. And, you know, that's, you know, what may have surprised some people if you didn't catch it earlier. But I think even for the people that did catch it, like myself, they're like, okay, you may have caught that. You may have seen this coming, but you're not going to see this shit coming. <laughs> because then at this point, Lisa comes in, she confronts Michael, confronts Taff. While she's doing this, all of a sudden, you see the creature burst in, come running into the background. The music starts playing, you know, I can't fight this feeling, which her and the creature had done a rendition of on the piano earlier in the film once he had his hand reanimated. And <laughs> you get this fucking sequence. Um, it's slow motion, basically. The creature, you see him reach out, he pulls the comforter off of the dude, Michael, and you see him raise the axe that he'd used earlier in the film on the guy, Doug. And you see it come down. You see the blood splatter. And you realize, oh shit, was that right in the groin? That's like in the fucking groin area, did he? And about the time you're thinking, did he? You see, and it's just, it does a great, the movie does a great job because it doesn't actually like show it. But there is a shadow on the wall. And you can tell he just cut this man's dick off. And it's flying through the air and lands into a trash can and shit, and I am fucking dying at this point. And so is Michael Trent's character. He dies. Taft's freaking out. You know, the creature still wanting to protect Lisa, I suppose, goes to, you know, kill Taft as well. She holds up a pillow, protects herself, and then Lisa's like, fuck no, you can't kill her. That's my stepsister or whatever. The creature's pissed. He picks up the trash can with the dick in it and leaves. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so, obviously... Taft's fucking traumatized. She gets into the car with Lisa, who leads her out there. Lisa follows the creature into the woods. They park there. She, you know, goes on this fucking diatribe, this monologue to her stepsister about how much, you know, I love you because you cared for me when no one else, you know, fucking gave a shit about me or anything like that. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Which is kind of like an emotional moment for uh, Lisa's character, but it's just so funny because at the time, you know, Taft's fucking just emotionally traumatized. She's in a state of shock. She's not really saying a word. She's scared to death. And as soon as Lisa says, you know, I love you, I'll be back or whatever, gets out of the car and goes to chase after the creature. Taft just hops out of the car and, you know, she's running away to the cops or to her dad or to who fucking ever to tell whatever. And because she's shook and obviously whatever Lisa said had absolutely no effect on her. <laughs> a good dark humor moment there as well anyway lisa goes into the woods she finds at the cemetery right there at the plot of course it's the creature the creature grabs her they share an embrace and you realize she asks you love me he says yeah and then she's pretty much says well you know make love to me then he's like i can't she's like well why the hell not takes her hand places on his crotch you realize oh he doesn't have a dick and then brain blast that's what he just did back to the tan bed 
reanimate it. You get the uh, make and love scene from the two, and you know you don't. They don't really show anything. They do do something pretty cool though. They go back to that animated sequence from earlier in the film and kind of you know represent it that way. The two uh, make and love, and uh, it's pretty fucking uh, funny there that they use that again. And I like the usage of that animation right there with them. You know, shooting a rocket ship into the moon, <laughs> riding a rocket ship into the moon. Rather pretty fucking funny as you get that uh, slowed down version of I can't fight this feeling playing again as they as they make love. But then once this happens, you're like, where the fuck can this go from here? You know, Taft's ran off. You know, she's already a suspect before that. So all of this is going to culminate. It has to come to a head somewhere. Next scene, cut to, they're in front of the garage where the tan and bed is. You hear police sirens. Obviously, it seems like, oh, shit, they're coming after her, maybe. She's like, there's no other way. And you're wondering what's about to happen. And then you think about earlier in the film when she went to the cemetery and this all fucking first happened. And she said, I wished I was with you. He thought she wanted to reanimate him. Actually, she just wanted to die. So, thus, she wants to get in the tan and bed, wants him to crank it up, electrocuting her. And that's exactly what happens. She hops in the tana bed, tells him to set it to max bronzer. He literally sets up a fucking lawn chair, sits right there, opens a note she had gave him. The note reads, uh, death is temporary, love you forever. And uh, we think this is the end. Uh, they show, you know, the dad and her stepsister at her grave. Uh, the stepsister bends down to put some flowers and she sees someone has carved a uh, beloved wife into the grave, which she's curious about. But that's nonetheless, you know, no factor there. Her and the stepdad kind of going on about their lives, it seems. And then we get our final scene, which we get Cole Sprouse as the creature character sitting on a bench. Now reading a book has the ability to speak and you get Lisa swallows completely wrapped up like a fucking mummy head to toe laying on his lap, but she is alive, but it's as if those roles have completely flipped now yet again, he's the one that can speak. She's completely silent. And that's the fucking movie. And pretty clever. I love, you know, all the twists and turns that this movie took, especially, you know, some of the gore and some of the fucking, I guess, brutality I wasn't expecting. Maybe it's just because I went in blind without watching the trailer. You know, also, even in the movie earlier in the opening scene, in my notes, when I was talking about her liking a boy, I thought you may have been talking about Cole Sprouse because I knew that it was obviously involving, you know, reanimated character bringing somebody back to life or they wouldn't have put, you know, Frankenstein in the title and shit. But I didn't know if Cole Sprouse was a student that she was at the school with and he was going to die and then reanimate her uh but once i got into the story and realized it was what it was i was like oh shit this is even cooler than i expected more clever than i expected and once the film played out i think it was a lot funnier than i expected as well which really helped my rating for this film so i really fucking enjoyed this guys like i said if you enjoy films like encino man for that comedy but it's definitely you know a darker version of that and i think you can kind of have a similar tone to Edward Scissorhands and Heathers would be the movies I compared it to. You know, the 80s setting's pretty cool as well for this film taking place in 1989, and I had a great time with it. So for me, I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. First movie review of 2024, and I think it's a successful one here on JC's Pop Culture. Appreciate you. Like I said, if you made it this far all the way through the review, be sure to hit the thumbs up button, and if you've got a chance to watch Lisa Frankenstein, let me know your thoughts in the comments. Did you enjoy the film as much as I did. Uh, do you find it, you know, kind of the similar tone to the films that I uh, likened it to, or do you kind of compare it to something else? Because it certainly seems like it can be a cult classic, like some of those that I've mentioned uh, down the line. That's kind of the feeling that I have about this movie. It's funny. It's dark. It's gory. It's, you know, everything you want if you're a comedy or a horror fan. I think it really bridges those two gaps 
very well. And, you know, for Zelda Williams, first time in the director's chair, I really like some of the stylistic choices uh, within the directing. And, of course, another strong writing uh, performance from Diablo Cody. Great performances by Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse did awesome, you know, in a pretty much role where he had, you know, no speaking lines until, you know, the final, you know, denouement scene of the movie i guess you can call it so all in all i thought it was really well put together all the pieces that i thought i would enjoy i did and even had a little bit more humor than i expected so those are my thoughts share yours with me in the comments if you had a chance to check out lisa frankenstein and if you're into movies or tv shows be sure subscribe here to jc's pop culture where we're talking about that shit all the time especially comedy horror superheroes all that's right up my alley so if it's up yours as well hit that subscribe button appreciate you tuning into this one as always i'm jc and until next time. Later, film fans.